We're sitting in church one Sunday. This is Auto Collabs. And you know, the wooden like pews. Mm-hmm. And our pastor gets up and, and he's like, preach, he's giving his sermon. And then he's like, and do you want to know what Jesus said? And from the back of the thing, we just hear. Uh, and I, got him. I'm like, that's where I learned the nose trick, like to suffocate yourself so that you don't breathe. But I was like squeaking out of my ears. It was like. <laughs> and it just would for all the sound engineers in the room set. Sound waves, sine waves reverberation. It was in one of those old churches that had the really high ceilings anyway. Yeah. And it no, was no like, bass track. And then all of a sudden it was singing. It was like, <laughs> I don't know why anybody tunes no into this trap. podcast is in automotive. Oh my gosh. Oh <laughs> man. Thank you for hanging out with us today. We're we're hanging out yeah. with Ben Ayed. Uh I don't know. There's really guys, no relation between that not, first story and what at we're all. talking about <laughs> whatsoever. Oh, you want that on the podcast? There's no, it no is cut. on the podcast. It's already on the podcast. Is, we just hit we don't record cut anything. when we think Michael's gonna oh, say man. something he'll regret. And that's how that's the start to our podcast. <laughs> That's the start to our formal partnership. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. This. Wait, hold on. This is we got to take a, a little 30 extra. I think for the auto the collabs audience. Yeah, we have the auto collabs audience listening to an auto collabs podcast where a, so, uh, Michael Cirillo is an official part of team. Asodu as the chief of staff. So, uh, yeah, if you don't know that, give him a little congrats on the old LinkedIn machine or the Facebookery. And uh, yeah, welcome him to team we- Asodu officially. We officially wore him down, Kyle. Now we know why we're all here. Yeah. Yeah, we got dirt on him. No. (laughs) (laughs) We reviewed those immigration papers. (laughs) (laughs) We reviewed all the immigration papers. We got him. Got him. Oh, man. Well, hey, look, all of that kidding aside, we're really excited to introduce you to Ben Ayed, uh, a a new friend of ours and the winner of Pitch Tank at NADA, the first championships. Uh, So we hope you enjoy this conversation. All right. We are here about to make some trouble, as Paul J. Daly said, right before we got on the call with Ben Ayed, uh, the winner of our very, very first 2023 Pitch Tank Championships. He's the founder and CEO of Auto Service AI. We'll get to that in a minute. Ben, you live in Silicon Valley, What is what we found out. We won't give your exact street address. We'll just tell people halfway where you are in the world. But you live in Silicon Valley. Tell me about that because it's got to be a distinct thing walking around with some of the world's brightest developers and technology companies and that. And you've been a part of some of them. Um, Talk about just like, what is that like being in an environment where you walk into a coffee shop and this guy just coded how to crack a government safe, right? It's the, (laughs) it's a, it's a very interesting experience. I mean, I grew up in, I was born in Europe and France grew up in Africa. I started, you know, my company when I was in Africa, actually, uh, I, my first uh, you know, customer was in Australia and then Israel and the U.S. I was shipping these interesting invention that uh, kind of Bluetooth marketing device. And then as a dream of, you know, every inventor, kind of future entrepreneur is like Silicon Valley, right? You, you know, and then, um, and then I made it. I'm so glad I came here. 
um, it really, you know, is 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 what is you know famed for, right? You know, I I meet with uh, some of the leaders in the industry. Uh, I had a company in security. I met with Dr. Tahir El Gamal, the inventor of SSL, like security, like when you go in the browser, say HTTPS. Oh, man. Yeah, I wow. met with uh, with Diffie. He's the inventor of um, Diffie Hillman algorithm, that's used in security. Uh, it's really, really nice. You know, whoever you want to meet, you know, he's right in the, the coffee shop uh, in Palo Alto, and you just sit so, with them. So, do these do these people have like like you recognize them by the way they look? Like, how do you identify, or are they just local celebrities in Silicon these are like, Valley? These are tech celebrities. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like you need to know like who to look for, obviously, right? If you're, right. In, you know, in doing something interesting, you need to know how to find, you know, the people and who are they and how to approach them. Uh, it's part of the, the game, uh, but they are very approachable. That's what you find here is like, you know, if, especially when they're in the neighborhood and they ask to meet with them, they're very open. Um, you know, some of them join my advisory boards. Uh, we chat regularly. Mm. It really, really boosts your creativity in, in an interesting way. Uh, um, and then there's this, yeah, this walk, you know, you walk in, you know, University Avenue or, you know, and then, you know, everybody's talking about round A and round B and round C. But <laughs> <Well, laughs> what about the, right. in the coffee shop and everybody's drawing There's charts. a checklist for identifying tech entrepreneurs in Silicon Valley. It's like, do they drive a Prius and are they wearing hoodies? That yeah okay. There's two of the three requirements to be a tech entrepreneur. <laughs> when you go to when you go to say Seattle, it's different. It's like are they holding a lifetime supply of Starbucks and have those tweed jackets with the elbow pads? <laughs> oh no, you had to go at him. You had to go at him like that. That's uh, that what is does so it mean funny. though? Growing a business in that environment, what does Paul kind of said it uh, under his breath a little bit? I heard it. He said proximity. What does that proximity mean for you growing a business? Does it accelerate it? Does it sometimes get in the way? What could you share with other entrepreneurs in the space? Yes, um, you go through different life cycles, right? I mean, initially, you know, when you're young, you want to meet a lot of smart people and, and you want to kind of bounce your ideas and learn from them and, and you know, maybe collaborate with some of them. There's a lot of tech events, uh, so that help a lot. Um, and then, you know, um, I was at a phase where, you know, I was stuck in some of my companies, um, you know, like I could grow and I could, you know, really find some beachheads and go in, but I could not grow like some of the big, you know, companies like Amazon, for example. So in, you know, in my career, I had to make a choice. Like, you know, I really need to go and know and understand what Amazon right. is about. You so worked can, for Amazon for a while. Yes. Right? Yeah. I had to take time off, you know, from my project, my companies and, and really go and, and uh, you know, put myself on the block and <laughs> sell myself to them. <laughs> Wow. And then go from the inside and really understand, which, you know, it's 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 different. It's actually even different. I, I worked in Seattle. I actually flew every week to Seattle. My wife said, you have to do it. You have to go, you know. And for two years, I was back and forth every week, you know. Uh, but the, the lessons you learn at Amazon is more than you learn in Silicon Valley. It's, it's incredibly, mm. you know, interesting company. And it's, you know, I mean, the training that the brain training and, uh, that you get out of it is is is, is, is it's out of this world, you know. Oh. So so how do you think those lessons have prepared you for founding something that is uniquely your tech uh, for the automotive industry? What what were some of like the key moments that you can say like, that was a moment that's been pivotal in my approach to technology now? Absolutely. Well, I mean. You know, all my family is entrepreneurs, uh, you know, and some of them are super successful. 
Um, and since I was young, I was groomed to be kind of an entrepreneur, at least in my mind. Um, and then I had my company out of uh, my first company when I was out of university, and then I had my second. Um, but then, you know, at, at some points, you know, like everyone, you learn more and you make mistakes and you raise money here and you learn people. And, um, and, and you know, what I'm find, finding now is, you know, having had a lot of experience, having worked for Amazon, I also worked for X time. Like you learn a lot, you know, with age, you learn a lot of, you know, you know, kind of, uh, you know, DNA of these companies, what it makes, you know, a company to be successful and then what it makes a company to be super successful. And then, you know, what are some of the opportunities in the market? And you get some from here, some of them from there, and and you're able to kind of push them together and uh, and put them out. Um, the funny thing is initially my very first companies were my inventions. It's like, oh, I need this for myself. And like, oh, it's a great thing. And you try to push it and you create for the market. And then um, as you start working for some other companies, you're actually able to spot some needs in the market and like people mm -hmm. telling you that they need this. And and now you're able to bring that invention brain with, with that market brain, put them together and, and bring something that's interesting. Um, in most cases, uh, I'm, I'm that kind of person is very persistent and very, there's a problem I have to solve it, right? But most of the times, I'm ahead of the market. I have 20 patents, right? Today, yeah. probably about 150 to 100 million people are using some of my technology, one way or the other. Uh, when you log into Google, you're using my technology. When you look at uh, like the two-factor authentication Google is using, I invented that. Yes. Um, when... <laughs> When you <laughs> hold on, hold on. If we have a mic, do we have hold a mic on here? Because I just want to be drop. like, Let's drop that mic right there. <laughs> okay. He's like, yeah, you would have been able to log into this call here. today if it wasn't for me. <laughs> Wait, so so you're saying you're the dude I got to complain to for two factor <laughs> authentication? <laughs> I'm the one that simplified the life of millions of people. What he likes, the number what he and prefers. Type it in. <laughs> He's the dude you have to what's, thank. <laughs> right what's, what's unique about, okay, so uh, let's talk about that because I think that this will draw this conversation forward. But when, when you were presented with, I don't know if this was with a company or this was a patent that then got bought, but when you were presented with this problem, when, when you were thinking about the login authentication, um, I'm guessing it's something around Otho or something like that. I don't know exactly what your patent is on, but when you were presented with that initially and that was going to get plugged into something, what was the challenge you were solving? And then how did that, how did that get solved in the, in the piece that you have to, had to play? Yes, I was solving how you can, um, secure, um, um, iOS apps on iPads. And then I was able to tie them into. Uh, a device initially, so you can secure them with a device, and then I was able to tie them into your mobile phone, and then I patented that login to apps with through Bluetooth with another device that does the kind of two-factor authentication. I mean, I learned this thing, right. you know, because I had to solve some some needs that I had or some market needs, and I had to hire the doctors in security that instructed me about this and this and that, and you know, were able to craft things, and then uh, start to work on some customers, like uh, I think. Uh, Lowell police at the time, uh, where they, you know, they had iPads and bikes and, you know, policemen were carrying them bikes and they were interested in securing them with a phone. So if somebody, if they drop their iPad, you know, they stop working or the app stops working. Um, so they were very interested in that. And then they're like, okay, well, we want to bring this to the PC. How can you do that? So, so then we start thinking about how can secure the browser with your phone, right? 
Um, and and that became the you know how you can lock a browser or you activate locks or you know you you have your phone therefore you can open your apps in your browser. Um, we had uh, I think the uh, chief of police of Lowell police is like oh, I got like I got fifty passwords and I have to log into CJs for you know federal database and and can you help me with that? So we're able to kind of have them. Um, you like you, know, you have a very interesting life. It seems <laughs> like all of the things you're talking. He's the Liam Cirillo's, Cirillo's like forehead has been like this for about seven like, minutes at this furrowed <laughs> brow. Ben, Ben's the Liam Neeson of technology. I have a very particular set of skills. Particular set of skills. <laughs> I'm sitting over here. I'm like, oh yeah, Ben. Well, I built a HTML website with Yahoo GeoCities when I was 13. Boom. Oh, yeah. I oh, love, yeah, I love I'm at inbox yeah, zero today. Oh, that's better than I'm doing. It's better than I'm doing. That is that's spectacular. Um, wow. I had no I, clue. How does that position you? Kind of touching on, on Kyle's point, I'd really love to get your insight into how all of that experience positioned you to do what you're doing with auto service AI. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's one of those things, right? You know, you're, you know, uh, I, I, yeah, I was, I worked at X time. So I had, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a time where, okay. you know, I was yep. burned out by Amazon and I needed some break. A company could just go and do, you know, I was a product director, so I didn't have to do a lot so of work. So you just show up, eat the donuts, you know. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know good money, all that stuff, right? And meanwhile, I had this project, I always have, you know, 10 projects on this side, like trying this and this and that, and, you know, trying to start different companies. So I needed a break. I needed, you know, to, and then I discovered this whole world of automotive. And I was looking at X times like they got, they make hundred million dollars a year and they have hundred people sitting in front of me. And, you know, most of them are, you know, I mean, they don't even look like the smartest you people in the world, it. you know, you can say it. They don't even Nothing look is like wrong with the world. <laughs> Tweed jackets or anything. And I don't want to say anything bad about it, but at one point we had the president of Cox Automotive come and and he make a speech, right? And then I had to go to my boss and said, look, not a single time did he talk about customer. He didn't mention the word customer once. What kind of a company is this? How can you make $100 million where they even mention a customer in the speech to employees at last one hour? You know? It's anyway. It was it was interesting company. I had no, no, leave. we're we're trying to get, let you get yourself in trouble. That's what we do. Yeah, I know. And and you know what? <laughs> so I was you know looking at the data. I launched to a, to a texting. My buddy launched the consumer portal, and then um, you know had the lady that worked on the um, um, in the dealer portal, right? And then um, you know I like the stats from my buddy. Every week we come and it's like we have seventy two percent drop rate on consumer booking, right? I'm like right. what's what is this, right? You know, how could you be in a business where 72% of people cannot even use your tools, right? So after a while, seeing meeting after meeting and the same numbers don't budge, you know, you know, I had like, I have to go solve that problem for him, right? So I went in, you know, in my garage, <laughs> in my living room, you know, kind of got <laughs> these to the tools and shop. like, you know, like playing with this technology and then and AI and all that stuff. And they built a little mock-up. And then in, you know, Amazon words, and they have to, you know, when you have an idea, you have to go and write what's called a six, uh, a six pager document, right? I've heard you have about to explore that, it and what it's going to be in 10 years and why you should do it and why now and FAQs. And so I wrote that and I went to my boss. I was super happy. I had set up a meeting with him. I said, look, you know, I think we're doing things wrong. I built a small prototype. I wrote six pager 
you know, and then the guy looked at me like, who are you? Who do you think you are? You can, you know, do these things and come and tell us what you should do. And That's how you know you're on the right first. path, by the way. That's how you know yeah. when somebody, your boss, you've done that. something right. Exactly. Oh, thank you for that. And believe me, he put a black mark on my back and I had to leave after that. You know, so. <laughs> That's a good affirmation. And that's though. how, you know, I found out the service AI. It was like five, maybe five years ago or something like that. And uh, and I knew the market. Uh, initially, we started working in the restaurants. I went to my neighbors. They had restaurants. We used it to sell menus, believe it or not. Sell it on the phone. Um, and then uh, I had a, had a customer, a friend of mine, in, in a realtor in the east uh, in the coast. And they called him. I said, hey, I'm building this thing. Would you be my customer? I said, yes. And I said, oh, how much would you pay me for this? I said, hey, they're bucks. I said, okay, you're done deal. <laughs> so he was my first paying customer. I think the rest of them was my second paying customer. Um, and then he started honing it because thinking like if we were to cater to the biggest problem, which is, you know, restaurants really, really tough business right they don't pay much you have all these weird menus and yeah people uh speaking to you with uh you know chinese accent speaking vietnamese menu and you imagine like how you have to cater to all these words said in wow. different like right. you know kind of uh languages or say in different oh, wow. uh, you know accents and we had to make it work and we did succeed um so when we went to dealers we had this you know platform that's super super strong and Day one for the dance starts working, right? So my my longest year has been on that for four years. You know, start seeing the money coming. It's like, wow, increase fifteen percent in you know service. And I was like, wow. Yeah. And yeah. you know, you I mean, the, the nice thing about a Vietnamese menu is that once you learn what number fifty-four is, you just always order fifty-four. <laughs> yeah. Same on every menu. I was good the last time. <laughs> yeah. It's like that's it. I learned it once. I'm wondering, could it get that predictable for service menus if customers just knew they were coming in for the number twelve and knew what that meant? And no. that would no. solve big problems, man. <laughs> if yeah. we could teach customers. You know, then they could go to X time online and then book themselves in, in, you know, two minutes. You know, the yeah. problem is they can't yeah, what's it, make themselves the, online. So. Like with all the, so auto service AI, just so if someone doesn't know, like I'll give them the brief rundown because I, I want to ask the, the, the deeper question than just like, what's the product? Basically, it's a, it's a, it's a phone service that intercepts the call and utilizing AI uh, allows the customer to book an appointment without a human interaction and then taps into your appointment setting system to make sure that it's uh, honoring like all of your hours, your availability, puts the appointment in so that the customer can just do it seamlessly and it saves a lot of time on both sides. But when when you're looking at this, what are most people, where is their trip up? Because I'm guessing that the reason why most people go from like the website to the phone is because they've had an issue. They like It wasn't as easy as they wanted it to be. What's that like first layer that most people are attempting to have happen that you're seeing in these conversations, maybe with your data, that that are the barriers to creating a service appointment that requires the phone call? Totally. So, um, I mean, there are a couple of ways to answer. So, number one, we're really uh, not necessarily like service only. We're really like, you know, robots. You know, if you can think of it, just, you know, I have a business and I have people, but my people are you know, can only work eight hours and, you know, I need 24 hour service. Okay. Well, I put the person in a robot, right? Um, so it's like robots for retail. It can do, you know, silly stuff. And, um, you know, yes, we answer the phone. We actually do other things for them. 
Um, but but that, that's the the philosophy is like you know um, we we it's not about replacing people, but it's like the idea that people and robots complement each other and can make the customer experience bulletproof, you know, and and impeccable, you know, like as a as a person, you know, and you know when I'm dealing with a customer, right? I only have limited bandwidth. I can only deal with one person, customer at a time. Literally, yep. if I'm at a store, I'm on the phone, you know, whatever. If I'm even doing work in a house, like I can only do one job at a time. I only have one time and I'm linear, right? And therefore, you know, when you have a business that can, sometimes they have peak time, they have 10 customers come to them, you know, at the same time, right? And, and you know, there's only one salesperson. What are you going to do, right? So you're going to have that person that's going to take care of one customer really well. And then you need these robots that if you happen to have more than one customer coming, then the robot is going to go and take care of all the other customers. And that way you have, you're always 100% of the time, you know, you're taking care of 100% of the customers. Now the robots, you tell me, well, they're not as good as human, but they're good at other things, which is scalability. Okay. Mm. So now mm. with your team, you have the yeah. customer experience. With the robots, you have the scalability. And with that, you cover 100%. Like you have a service level agreement, Mr. Customer. Even if you bring in 100 customers to us, they come on the bus and come to my shop. I'll be able to serve you all at any time, 24-7, you know. And if you want the personal attention, yes, we do have people. They're going to give you personal attention to those that need personal attention, have that, that have complex problems, right? Uh, the, the ones that, that really need problem solving. Um, so, you know, that and, and what I, we're finding the I, mix is explosive, wherever you take it. I love where you said you have a service level agreement with your with your customers for those that maybe aren't in technology or don't you know haven't seen uh, what is known as an SLA right always in an SLA there especially at enterprise agreements there's this little section that's called uptime right and yes. the greater your SLA typically your uptime goes from anywhere from like 9.99.1% to 99.9% uptime right depending on the, the degree of your enter, enterprise SLA, meaning that's how it's going to serve, right? Your website will always work or the technology will always work. That's that's software, right? In in a dealership, like our uptime is is typically like 60%, right? Because that's how much yeah. of the day. Is it? And so you, oh, you get the, yeah, yeah that's how much of the day. We turn them into like 99.99% uptime. They're always open uptime. businesses, sales, service, parts, you know, what if, what if go, we just like, started like boom. signing like, like we are like we have a new uh, service SLA uh, for all of our customers and we just like slid that over at time of delivery. It's like we're going to give you ninety nine point nine percent. I mean, SLA we have uptime. We have three things, right? Number one, you know, we're always going to be there for you. You call us anytime. We're always going to be there for you. Your car breaks or you want to buy something, you want to, you know, whatever. Right. Number two, if, you know, nobody, somebody cannot help you now. Within one hour, somebody will help you. Okay. So regardless, if you leave a message, you you know, because yeah, I mean, I, maybe I can't help you because I'm limited, but I'll guarantee to you that your problem is going to be solved. Like somebody is going to come to you and it'll help you within one hour. And number three, well, you're never going to queue. You're never ever. It's always you're going to come, very quickly. Somebody could take care of you. There's nothing like not even like a minute, you know, of waiting. It's it's you know, our lives are worth a lot more than than having to wait in front of a business to buy something, right? So, and and it all translates. I mean, this comes from Amazon. This is something they drill into you, right? Day one. We all get one hour of training. 
Like they hire 80,000 people a year, whatever. They all get one hour training. They drill to you day one. We have, you know, when I was there, we had maybe 100 million customers in the USA. We get maybe over a million calls a day. Guess how many calls we miss? Zero. Wow. I mean, <laughs> That's unbelievable. <laughs> so you imagine, like, I go to work at X time and I hear that there's drop rate and, and oh, you know, risk man, calls the and people cannot book themselves. Wow. I'm like, this is a zoo. <laughs> wow. Well, Ben, it has been an absolute pleasure. First, I want to congratulate you on winning the, the pitch tank at NADA. That's yep. phenomenal. Uh, congratulations to the success you're having and um, basically infiltrating every touch point of my life that I didn't know you were involved in. But I uh, <laughs> certainly want to, want to thank you for sharing some time with us today here on the Auto Collapse Podcast. It's been a pure pleasure. Thank you so much. Everybody gets 30 seconds of uh, fame right in their life. And thank you for offering me that opportunity. <laughs> Okay, how legit is it when the person you're interviewing is like, I invented two-factor authorization? Yeah. I The visual I, that came to my mind that, was my wife and I laying in bed and like him sitting up against the headboard between us. And every time I like- weird. It's like I open my cell phone and he's like, I invented that. My wife goes to like turn out the light. Oh, I invented that. It's like, it's like the clapper. And he's like, oh, yeah, I patented that. Because what did he say? He said he had like a, over 100 patents or something. Did I hear that right? Yeah, no, 50 over 50 patents and like Jeez. millions of people, millions upon millions of people utilizing wow. some level of his technology. And what I love about that is that that you constantly see these these solopreneurs or entrepreneurs just there's an insatiable appetite for creating solutions to problems that they see in verticals and so having never been in the auto industry enters x time and goes i see a problem i need to create this solution and then brings that back and now enables dealers to better serve customers and create an incredible lifetime value because the ability to schedule a service appointment is so important. Right. And it's it's something that's hard because of like the available staff that we can put into those positions. So well, how about like how about the fact that circle. when you think of the importance of bringing outside automotive perspective into automotive, when he's yeah. like, I stepped in from Amazon, he's like, you know what? We took a million calls a day, <laughs> one million. You know how many we dropped? Zero. Zero. So all of a sudden, like it's, it's, you know, I, I have a, a friend who was a special forces Marine and he would always say, it's not what you teach. It's what you tolerate. And mm, that mm. just reminded me of that moment. Like it just was the norm is the norm for automotive to tolerate that level of drop calls or unanswered calls when there are lots of scenarios and, and examples of the fact that like, Hey, zero is the tolerance level. Right. We should have a solution so that zero get dropped. So I was really impressed and encouraged by that fact that that outside automotive thinking is making its way inside automotive. Well, there on behalf. This, oh, no, you're going to you're going to no. keep going. You're going to keep going. Go no, do that to me haven't like you that. done enough to get us out of this deal before he uh, writes myself, another patent? <laughs> Michael Scarillo and Paul J. Daly. We hope you've had a ton of fun today hanging out with us, hanging out with Ben Aid on here on Auto Collabs. We'll see you next time. Sign up for our free and fun to read daily email for a free shot of relevant news in automotive, retail, media, and pop culture. You can get it now at asotu.com. That's A-S-O-T-U.com. If you love this podcast, please leave us a review and share it with a friend. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.
Welcome to Auto Collapse. Why are we recording? Are we rolling yet? <laughs>